Hey, what's up, everyone? Sam Shot here, founder of Wall Street Mastermind. I'm back today with another client interview for you guys. Actually, part two with our client, Alex. Um, Alex has actually previously been on here with us already and has graciously agreed to come on here again because, um, I mean, most of you probably haven't heard his first interview, I'm guessing, but for those of you who have, um, you'll recall that the last time we talked, Alex had just... Uh, secured his full-time offer at a private equity firm, um, which he was very excited about. And then obviously, what is it? February, 2021 right now. 2020 was a crazy year for everybody. (laughs) Um, COVID and the world kind of, I don't know, just ground to a halt and a lot of things, um, a lot of things that we thought we would never see happen, happen, uh, you know, both in the real world and, just on the recruiting front. And so, uh, Alex, why don't you actually, you could probably tell the story better than I can, but why don't you maybe start by kind of like catching people up on just what you've been up to since then or what, what exactly happened? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, fast backwards to, to March of 2020, you know, obviously, uh, COVID's really hit in the United States pretty hard. Um, you know, I'm on spring break with, you know, my, my lacrosse team. We usually go down to Baltimore to play a tournament. And of course that's, that gets canceled. The NCAA cancels um, spring sports. So, you know, we're heading home and, you know, I don't really know what's next. I, I know that, you know, I'm obviously interviewing for positions and uh, probably looking to start my full-time career. I think just, you know, after the four years of lacrosse, even though the senior year got cut short, I think it was just time to move on and, uh, you know, start my professional career. So, uh, ended up going home, you know, mid-March and ended up interviewing at home over Zoom uh, for a private, that private equity firm. And like, if anybody that saw the first video knows, um, you know, super excited about that. It was a, you know, tech-focused fund in, in California and I was super excited about the opportunity. Really thought I connected well and fit in well with the culture there. And uh, yeah, so since then, you know, accepted the offer You know, I felt really lucky to even have an opportunity at that point, a full-time opportunity. So um, decided that this is probably the best route for me. And I think it's going to be great for my development in terms of what I want to do with my career. And yeah. then, you know, May comes around and I come back out here to New York where I'm currently stationed. And uh, we, we, we did that. Sorry, just to interrupt. We did that. And then we did that first interview in April. I just looked it up. We did it in mid-April. And that was when we were still, you know, super excited for you and stuff. And you thought you were going to go, go to this PE job. And then, sorry, back to you. Then in May, you go back to New York. Yeah, and I'm, I'm like basically getting ready to move all my stuff out at this point. I'm like, all right, I got to take some stuff home. I'm um, getting ready to move out to California. So, I, you know, I'm going to take some stuff with me if I can, uh, you know, save some money in terms of, you know, buying new furniture and stuff like that. And uh, I get a call from what would have been my vice president. And he calls me and says, hey, I got some, you know, terrible news uh, you know, we're taking a really pessimistic view on COVID and whatnot, and we're going to have to rescind your offer. And at that point it was like, Oh no, like not again. Like it was almost like, I thought I was dead in the water at that point. But, uh, you know, I went home or I called my parents immediately and I was like, I got my full-time offer just got rescinded. And my, my parents thought I was lying. Like, they're like, no, you're kidding. Like, you're obviously lying. Like you're messing with us. I said, no, I'm, I'm dead serious. And, uh, you know, went home after that and, uh, you know, kind of packed up some of my stuff and brought it home. And because I didn't really know what I was going to do at that point, like I didn't have a plan, obviously. And, 
really took it upon myself to try and search for full-time opportunities wherever they may be. So um, immediately started networking with people just to see, you know, what could be open in, during the summer and, and whatnot. And, and maybe I could, uh, you know, fill a role if, if anybody needs it. So and it, not exactly in just investment banking as well, or private equity, it was, you know, I was looking at transactional advisory, you know, corporate development at some you know, corporations in Minnesota and, you know, where I'm from. So uh, wasn't exactly looking at just investment banking analyst roles. Right. So um figured nothing was, was probably going to come up over the summer and, you know, started really looking towards the future. So, you know, I applied for grad school at RIT where I did my undergrad and uh, I could do my master's in two semesters, just five classes each semester and I could be done and you know, that'll buy me some time. And, uh, you know, hopefully something will come around next year and hopefully the job market by then is, is good enough to the point where I could get, you know, entry level role, hopefully in, in banking or in private equity. So, um, that whole summer, I really worked extremely hard networking. I think I wrote it down. I, I, I compiled everything in a spreadsheet in terms of the people I've talked to over the summer. And um, since last May, I have talked to 127 people, and that's still growing, obviously. So um, continuing to network just whenever I can. But uh, looking to find people with similar backgrounds as me or maybe people that you know, I've also played calls across or college sports that I maybe have in common with them. And you know, I even came across some people that I went to the same high school as me. They're a little bit older than me, but the, you know, one of them's working in investment banking. I knew them really well. So, uh, you know, crazy what you know, the type of people that you meet just throughout the whole networking process. But oh. um, so, from May, so from May, when you found out, you immediately started looking around, just, just as kind of summarize for you, you just immediately started looking around not just in banking, but also other uh, professions that you think might be somewhat tangential to banking, like transaction advisory and corp dev and things like that. And then none of the, like, I guess it was probably too last minute though, right? Cause it was already May and you were looking for something to start in the summer, which at that point was all filled up. And then, so you kind of pivoted over to the master's in finance degree, which actually I'm surprised. Like, so I guess, just for my own education and for other people's education who are listening, like the master's in finance program, I guess you can apply pretty last minute and, and still start on time, huh? Right. Yeah. So that was, that's kind of why I did it. I said, you know, I'll apply. I'm going to get accepted. I know I'm going to get accepted, but I'm not going to accept it until like basically the very last day, just in case something comes up and, you know, I'm not locked into tuition or anything like that. So uh, I really waited till the last second to decide to go to grad school. Which is like, what is that deadline? Like, do you have to just commit by like August or September? Yeah, or? I think I think the commitment might have been like mid July, late July, and I waited <laughs> the very last second. So you started applying right away in May, and then do you find out like, like within like a week or two, or like what's the what's the turnaround? Like, yeah, the the turnaround for me, obviously going to undergrad here, uh, the acceptance for me was pretty seamless. I think it maybe took a week for them to get a decision back to me. Uh, but a lot of the decision, a lot of it went into it was, um, you know, my parents obviously want to retire. They don't want to pay another year's of tuition for, for grad school. I do get, you know, a pretty good scholarship for you know, going to undergrad and also being in the honors program here. Uh, but I would have to take that, that tuition on myself. And that was a big reason why I wanted to wait and just see if there's any opportunities that, that would come up. Cause you know, do I want to defer a whole year's salary or pay, a bunch of money to go back to school for a year. You know what I mean? So that was a big decision for me too. Yeah. Yeah. So basically it was like, 
you want to have that, you have that option, you have it in your back pocket, <clears throat> but it's kind of like the nuclear option. You don't want to really use it unless you, if it, you've exhausted all of your uh, other possibilities. Right, exactly. Okay. That makes sense. That's smart. Um, so then you line that up uh, probably by like the end of May or early June. Then you held on to it until like probably mid to late July, which is the commit date. And then during that time, you're out there doing everything you can to try to line up a full-time opportunity. Um, and then it sounds like it was just too last minute at the end of the day. Yeah. It was definitely way too last minute at that point for, for me to even get on anywhere. Yeah. So then you <clears throat> accepted the, uh, the MSF uh, admissions and then you entered this master's program and you basically just continue to do what you were doing, which is continue to network with people, continue to like, see who is still hiring or whatnot, essentially. Yeah, exactly. I, I just basically looked at it like I'm a senior again in undergrad, you know, obviously doing a master's in finance. It's I, I, the, basically the way I looked at it is I went to, you know, five years of school. The last year is just a little bit harder. So, you know, I was still looking for analyst roles. I don't think that a master's in finance should exactly mean that I should be looking at associate roles by any means. So uh, that's kind of the... Um, you know, that's a lot of the recommendations that I was getting from people that I was networking to with to um, just to make sure to see, you know, where I would fit in, uh, in the recruiting process and whatnot. So that was definitely a big part of it, too. Yeah, no, I think you're correct. Like, <clears throat> for those of you that a lot of you, I mean, everybody's heard of MBAs, but most people, I think MSFs are more prevalent in Europe, but I think in America, it's a bit of a newer thing, right? And so I, I know that a lot of students haven't aren't as familiar with master's and finance degrees, but yeah, typically the difference between MSFs and MBAs, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you're actually going through it, but my understanding is that with MBAs, usually they want to, they only admit people that already have at least a couple years of work experience first. Whereas with the MSF, you don't have to like graduate from college, go work, get some experience and come back. You can do that like immediately as almost like a fifth year, like you said, like some people graduate college in five years, right? And you're just doing the same thing, but you're getting a, a master's degree on top of that. Um, but then coming out of that, though, from a recruiting standpoint, you're correct that you people aren't going to hire you in as an associate. They're going to hire you in as, a, as an analyst, which is fine, actually, because I actually think that's better to go into banking as an analyst and as an associate because it's just a different experience, right? You get you learn more about modeling because that's like what you do day in and day out. That's a really valuable experience that you take away. And then also uh, the exit opportunities are better, right? If you are, I'm not saying you are thinking about that, but like for a lot of people that they go into banking, if they're thinking about exit opportunities, like if you want to go to the buy side eventually or whatever, um, you know, a lot of firms will only hire analysts and they won't hire associates, right? So I personally think that if given the choice, I would rather go in as an analyst, as opposed to an associate, if I want to become an associate, I can always get promoted to an associate, right? Just do a good job and get promoted and you end up back at the same place. So that's kind of how I think about it. That's um, exact same, that exact same way I, I took it too. I think getting in as an analyst, especially from somebody like me who never had, you know, summer analyst role in investment banking too. So I really wanted to get in as an analyst and learn as much as possible. I think it just would have been better for my career trajectory to go in as an analyst. Right, right. No, that's a, that's a good point. Um, I remember on our first, uh, the, the last kind of interview that we did, because um, for your junior summer, just for those people that didn't hear last time, like, what were you doing your junior summer? 
Yeah. So I was working for the Royal Bank of Canada. They have their U.S. wealth management headquarters in Minneapolis, which is where I'm from. Did a lot of different things there um, specifically. It wasn't all, um, you know, it was obviously in the wealth management office, but I was doing equity research, some fixed income sales and trading. Uh, there was one investment banker that I got to shadow. Um, not really what I was looking to do in terms of, you know, what I want to do in investment banking. So uh, but nonetheless, got to see a lot of different areas of finance. Yeah. But you just didn't get like the typical like front office investment banking experience over the summer. And so that obviously was like something you had to overcome for full-time recruiting. Yeah, definitely. Got it. Okay. So then you overcame that. You got this PE job. It got rescinded. Then you pivoted to a master's in finance program. Um, and then you continue. So then, so then you joined the master's in finance in July. We're in February now. So they're like, walk us through what's been happening for like the last seven months or so then. I mean, you don't have to give us all the details, but like if you just kind of like hit on the, the highlights or you know, like the, the, the main points, like what, what have you been up to? A lot of LinkedIn, uh, networking with people, trying to get on the phone with as many people as I can at, at a multitude of different banks at all sizes, uh, whether they're, you know, small regional boutiques to bulge bracket banks, right? So I really got on the phone with just about everybody uh, that I could and really trying to network and see what kind of opportunities would be available. Um, obviously, it's in the, in the early fall. They didn't really know what their hiring needs were going to be um come summer 2021 but it's just keeping that constant contact and just seeing if there's any updates and whatnot um that took up a lot of time and then also you know searching on you know job sites just looking to see if there's any you know investment banking analyst roles open for summer 2021 and if there were applying and then you know just really prepping as well so just in case an interview did come up I was prepared for it and I wouldn't have to spend time trying to catch up and cram at the last second. So uh, really trying to master the technicals and also the behaviorals as well. Uh, yeah. Two things that were really important and just taking time each day to try and work on those. Yeah. So what, uh, like, what were some of the interviews you had um, in the end? Like just, cause obviously, you know, we wouldn't be sitting here talking um, if there wasn't a happy ending, but like how many interviews were you able to get just by, grinding through this entire slog of a networking process like you described yeah so i think i got a total of five interviews i got um a couple last semester and then three this semester and then one of them obviously was able to convert into a full-time offer but um you know if i go back in the early first semester when i was getting those first two interviews and you know, got through the super day at one of them and you know felt like i did a really good job and i thought that maybe i was going to convert this into a full-time offer i felt super prepared uh, didn't end up getting it and uh again like i felt like i was dead in the water because i felt like it was so late in the process at this point so uh i was like i don't know what to do like i called my parents i was like hey i might have to you know start looking at other roles and, and not in investment banking and uh, you know, I took a day and just kind of reflected on it, thought to myself, and, you know, I, I, I really pulled myself up on my bootstraps and said, you know, this is something I really want to do. I'm not going to quit on this dream, this goal that I have to get into investment banking. And, uh, you know, thankfully it ended up working out for me, but, uh, you know, I, a lot of it goes to towards, you know, the networking that I did in the summer that really set me up to help me convert this, uh, this last interview into a full-time job. Yeah. Um, I like what, so like, what are, what were some of the, cause so late in the process, you know, like, like you said, you're basically a senior, right. Or you think of yourself as a senior. Um, typically the standard full-time recruiting process, at least in a normal year 
uh, happens probably around August, right? Like the August before people go back to school for senior year, because that's when the banks are um, giving out return offers to their summer interns. And then their summer interns will either accept or decline the offers. And if they decline the offers, most people accept, obviously, right? But if they decline the offers, then there might be like, you know, one or two openings, depending on the group, and then they'll try to fill that immediately, right? And then so, <clears throat> obviously, you, you didn't get your offer until February, right? I think it's February. Right. Yeah. You just got it recently. And so that's like halfway through senior year. So I guess what I'm curious about is like, how are you able to find these opportunities? And also like, what type of opportunities were you able to find so late in the process? Like what type of firms were you able to get interviews from? You said you have five interviews. Is this just like mostly small, no name banks that people have never heard of? Or uh, if you were able to get like some better opportunities, like how did you discover or identify those opportunities? Yeah, so I think research had a lot to do with it, uh, at least from the five interviews that I had. Um, I knew that one of the banks was a middle market bank and they did not convert. Like, I think it was, they only converted like 40 or 50% of their summer interns into full-time roles. So I figured there were probably going to be full-time opportunities at some point. They're going to need analysts at some point. And then obviously having those conversations with people at that bank and just getting it from a junior, a junior analyst perspective where, you know, they're getting crushed as junior analysts and they're going to need the higher analysts at some point. So uh, just keeping that in my, the back of my mind is really knowing that, you know, there's going to be an application open at some point. And when it does, I'm going to jump all over it and uh, continue networking with other people at that firm, uh, more senior level people to, just to see if, um, you know, they can, they can help me out and go to bat for me in the whole process. But in terms of the size of the banks that I was interviewing for, there were two middle markets and the rest were all boutiques. So, I mean, looking at smaller banks that, you know, maybe they're growing, they might need an, a couple of analysts or you know, two or three analysts. So uh, a lot of research went into trying to find, you know, those banks that are growing and, and looking to take on some more junior analysts. Yeah. Got it. Um, and like, ultimately, like where, where are you ending up? Like, where are you going to go? Yeah. So I plan on starting, I actually just signed the papers today. So I will be starting at Jeffrey's this, uh, this summer in June, uh, in their New York office, uh, starting out as a generalist. And, you know, from there, obviously, you know, go getting picked into a coverage group, which is, uh, you know, a whole nother process of networking, which I'm, I'm still trying to do and, you know, just see what, what groups that I want to end up in. But, uh, yeah, I'll be starting at Jeffrey's and, and that was the, the offer I was able to convert. That is awesome, man. I mean, out of those five banks, I'm guessing Jeffries was probably the best one out of the bunch, right? It was. So, so it's and and I mean, to get a bank of Jeffries caliber so late in the process, like you had to, uh, I mean, I'm like you had to, like you said, like one, you were very strategic about it um, in terms of like I like the I like how you brought the points about like knowing which firm gave, <clears throat> you know, what percentage of return offers the the that these firms give, right? Like, I think I know the bank that you're talking about, but like if a firm only gave 40, 50% offers, they probably under hired, right? So they're probably gonna have opportunities later on, in which case you wanna make sure that you're networking the people at that bank. So I think that's really smart. Um, <clears throat> and I think even with Jeffries, uh, 
I think you networked with, if I'm not mistaken, you networked with multiple people there and had really good conversations with them. And, but it wasn't like an immediate thing. It was like kind of a drawn out process where they knew who you were and you were on their radar. And then when the time came and there was an opportunity, then either you reached back out to them or they reached back out to you, right? Is that how it kind of went down? Yeah. So I think the first person I talked to at Jeffrey's wasn't even there anymore. He actually left to go to the buy side, but then connected with um, somebody else that was a VP at Jeffrey's. And he had a sort of a similar background as me. Like he didn't start in investment banking. He did the MBA, MBA route and then came in as, as a, an associate. And then from there, worked himself up to VP and then had a really good conversation with him. And he seemed to really like me just because we had you know pretty similar backgrounds. I think he saw a lot of himself in me and uh you know formed a really good relationship with him and i still do to this day i could send him a text right now and he'd answer within the hour like that's the type of relationship that i got with him and you know i also reached out to you know a managing director in, in his same group that he works with um not even with a referral from him or anything i just you know, reached out to him and just see if i i can get 10 minutes on a schedule ended up doing that and uh, again a guy with another non-traditional path like went to west point so served in the army for a while was a you know, decorated veteran in the Middle East, and then came back uh, and wanted to get into investment banking and ended up doing that after doing an MBA. So uh, two guys that had pretty similar backgrounds to me, obviously a very non-traditional kind of backdoor way into investment banking. And, um, you know, they, both of them really liked me. They seem to, you know, really like me a lot. They think, uh, you know, I've run through walls for them. I'm a hard worker and, uh, uh, you know, somebody that they can rely on. So I, I feel like I formed a really good relationship with them. And then from there, just trying to talk to um, some more junior people and uh, obviously being a part of the Wolfpack um, really helped me out with that. A, a really good friend of mine that's in the, also a client of Sam's, you know, got me in touch with an analyst that's at Jeffries and uh, you know, he's from Minnesota too. And just like me, so we got to have that connection going as well. So, you know, great to kind of uh, network with a bunch of people and, you know, get a lot of different perspectives in terms of, you know, answering the why Jeffries in the interview. I had so many perspectives, so many inside perspectives that it was a really easy interview for me. Yeah. And, and I think you, you mentioned a lot of good points here, which is like a lot of times when people are networking, they just kind of, um, they, they don't have like a targeted approach. Like they just take this spray and pray. Let me go on LinkedIn and spam everyone. And, you know, like, yes, of course, like we're probably all going to do that to some degree. Right. But usually more often than not the people that are really actually going to move the needle for you are the people that are really gonna go out of their way to help you are the people that um you're able to build that really strong rapport with and usually the people you're really going to be able to build really strong rapport with are people that you have a lot of similarities with right the thing is like when we say similarities most people just they're so limited in their thinking there's like oh who went to the same school as me? <laughs> like, how, how do I reach out to alumni or whatever? But like for you, if you go to a non-target school, it's probably not going to be a whole lot there, right? And so you have to kind of like think outside the box a little bit. It's like, what school you go to, it's just one type of similarity. In fact, it's probably a pretty superficial one. There are other types of similarities in this case that you found with the VP, that you found with the MD. Um, and because like you said, they probably saw a little bit of yourself in them. Those are usually the people that, those are usually the people that, you know, people are inclined to help. It's like, hey, he reminds me of myself back when I was trying to make it in the industry and somebody else probably helped me and now I'm going to pay it forward to this guy, 
right? right. And so I think that's really, really smart, man. Um, now, obviously, so you had support from these people. You were able to get the interview uh, with Jeffrey when, when the opportunity arose. Um, and then, like, what was that interview process like? Like, is the full-time interview process, did you find it to be tougher than the summer interview process? Or, like, in, like, in terms of the preparation, like, how was that for you, um, like, going into it? Yeah, I think it was very similar to what you would get out of like a summer analyst uh, type of interview, maybe a little bit more technical at points. Obviously, I don't have, um, you know, a typical investment banking background by any means. So uh, maybe they'll test me a little bit more on the technicals just to make sure that I can check that box and that I know what I'm talking about and that I'm capable of doing the job. But uh, I think my story was something that really mattered a lot. I think that really resonated with people in interviews. And uh, you know, once I told my story, they actually, um, they, they realized that I, you know, I really do want to do this is something I want to do and, and I'm committed to it. So I think that certainly helps. But in terms of the process with Jeffries, um, I had a, my first round interview, I think not Latin this past Friday, but the Friday before. So, you know, a little over a week ago, a week and a half ago, probably. And I got, and then I had a, super day with another bank on Friday. And, you know, I made sure to let them know that I had another, you know, super day coming up. So I, I might have competing offers or, or competing deadlines. Uh, if I were to end up getting an offer from the other bank as well. Um, so they kind of put me through the process a little bit earlier than everybody else. So I was able to do my first round first. I was able to do my super day first. They got Jeffries is going to have another round of super days coming up in the next couple of weeks as well. But uh, I, I think will, I have a couple of clients going through that. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry. And, and so you, you went, you went early and then. Yeah. So I went early, you know, I interviewed with an analyst first round. It was mostly technical, but nothing too crazy. It was basically the standard stuff. Um, you know, felt really good about it and thought I had a really good connection with them. And uh, you know, he was really impressed by me, which was always good. So then you know, moved on to the super day and the interviews were, it was an hour long um, super day, three interviews, 20 minutes each with, um, two people interviewing me. So it was either two MDs or an MD and a VP. Um, and then you'd get a multitude of different questions. They would stop you in, in the middle of your story and ask about technical stuff and then you know, make you pick up where you left off and whatnot. And, uh, you know, something that I was pretty prepared for, I felt like I did a really good job afterwards and, you know, end up getting the offer the same day that I did the super day. And, you know, they told me at the end of it, I, I talked to HR just to see like what the timeline was. I didn't get the opportunity to ask anybody that interviewed me. And, uh, they said that I'd find out in the next couple of weeks. So then, you know, I'd get done with practice and I'm, I'm doing some, you know, maintenance and rehab stuff on the body and whatnot. And, uh, and I get a call from this random number and I pick it up and it's one of the people that interviewed me and just offering me the position. They all came to consensus that, you know, I did a really amazing job and during the super day and they just wanted to offer me right away. So I uh, felt really, really honored, really blessed and also a little bit lucky too. That's, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, like, people always ask, like, you know, how long does it take for me to hear back after an interview? And what I usually tell them is, depends. How did you perform? <laughs> because you, in my experience, like, back when we, uh, when I was in banking, we interview a bunch of students, or not even, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Like, anytime we interview students, we will debrief that same day. Like, if not the very next day, but usually the same day, while it's still, like, fresh in everybody's mind right and so uh if you're like 
a hell yes for them, which in this case, it sounds like you were, then they can move very quickly, right? Especially when they know you have a competing deadline, they don't want to lose you to the other bank, right? Uh, if you are a hell no, then they can also get back to you very quickly because, you know, you just did so poorly. Or in that case, you will know, they don't even need to get back to you. You will know you probably didn't get the job. Right. And then if you're kind of like in the middle, like you're kind of like, if you, if you just did okay, um, they probably would have waited. And that's why they originally told you you'll hear back in a few weeks because they want to wait until they finish interviewing the next batch of candidates in case somebody there might be better than you. Right. Um, and so it's great that you knocked it out of the park because if you didn't, then, uh, you know, you probably would have gotten this other, you might've gotten this other competing offer, which probably would have been exploding, which probably you would not have wanted to take it over Jeffries, but you might've had to take it over Jeffries because Jeffries won't get back to you for a few weeks. Right. right. So like, sometimes it's not even just about, uh, it's not even just about like passing their interview, but it's like, to what degree can you knock the interview out of the park, right? Um, both on the behavioral side and the technical side. Like you talked about on the behavioral side, your story really resonating with them. And actually, I'd be curious to hear like what you think it was that resonated so well, or what do you think worked well for your story? Like you don't have to tell us like exactly what you use for your story, but like what was it about your story that just worked well for you that's one question that i have and then the other question i have is like it sounds like they got pretty technical uh in the interview i've heard and i heard from my other client um who also got an offer from jeffries he was probably your friend from minnesota actually i won't say his name um he was telling me that they had one of the more technical super days um because he, he you know he interviewed at multiple banks too but was that the case for you too? Like, cause it sounded like they would interrupt you, ask you technical questions, kind of like drill down into it and then like come back out, ask you something else. Like it wasn't, they were really like trying to keep you on your toes a little bit. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was like one of the things that I did my senior year of undergrad was I did, I had competed in the CFA Institute research challenge and it had the, the company that we did self-site initiating coverage on Graham corporations up here in Batavia, New York. Um, literally I was telling the story about, you know, how I was going through my senior year and sort of my process. And then, you know, he stopped me in the middle of it all and just said, why is, you know, Graham corporation trading at 17 X right now? And I had to quickly come up with something on the spot. It was, it was like that. So, you know, I had a really good answer for it. Thankfully I knew a lot because I did most of the, the modeling and the, the, the valuation for, for what we did in the CFA Institute research challenge. So you know, I felt pretty prepared for it. And I thought I gave a really good answer and, uh, you know, the interviewer end up, ended up agreeing with me. But um, to answer your question, what works for me and my story, um, you know, talking about, you know, my youth or how I, I grew up was, was always how I start my story, right? Coming from this, you know, place just outside of Minneapolis, Minneapolis, Minnesota, like no name city that probably no one else has ever heard of unless you're from Minnesota. So, um, you know, obviously came from pretty modest and humble beginnings and, you know, really developed a work ethic really early in my life. Um, I think that's something that my parents really taught my older brother and I really well. So, um, sort of use that as a common theme throughout and, um, getting recruited to play calls across coming from an area that's not a hotbed, right? Like the best recruits are going to come from long Island. They're going to come from Baltimore, you know, the Philadelphia area. So, 
Um, I was overlooked by a lot of schools in the recruiting process for calls across. And you know, that put a huge chip on my shoulder. I worked really hard. I would consider myself a late bloomer in terms of uh, you know, growth and development in high school. And I was able to get on RIT's radar really late in my senior year. It was uh, winter in my senior year. By the time all my friends that I played with were already committed, I wasn't still. I had no idea where I was going to go. Um, RIT is a division three perennial powerhouse. Like this team is a top five team in the country every single year, you know, played in national championships and, you know, hopefully we get to win one this year and we haven't yet, but, uh, you know, very good program that's very well coached. And uh, I felt like this, the recruiting process to get to RIT and to get to such a good place. I feel like that's very similar to what I went through in investment banking, right? Like non-traditional background doesn't have the pedigree had to work really hard just to even get interviews and get in front of, you know, it's like similar to get in front of coaching staff. Right. So I, I feel like the processes were, were very similar. I think that sort of helps sort of streamline my story in terms of uh, a common theme throughout is that, you know, I'm somebody that's going to work really hard. That's really resilient and somebody that's not going to take no for an answer and just continue to work until, you know, I reach the goal that, that I want to get to. And I think that that really helped me out. That's something that stuck out for me. I'm smiling as I'm listening to you tell your story because uh, one, it's just such a good story. Um, I think you do such a good job of like talking about who you are on a personal level, right? Not necessarily even talking about like, oh, I've done this internship and this internship and this internship because like, you know, it's not, if that's just not the, that might not be the best approach for you, right? It's not like, oh, I interned at, this investment bank junior or something like you didn't do that right but regardless you have a lot of really really good qualities and traits um like genuinely like you you have a lot of really good qualities and traits that they look for in banking and it is you understanding what it is that bankers want to see and then you highlighting those qualities and you really just staying true to yourself um but like you said being able to weave that common thread throughout your story. I think that's something that a lot of people don't do very well. Right. And so anyway, I'm just smiling because while I was, I was going to, I was thinking like, damn, I'm so proud of you, but also too, like, it's been a while since I've heard your answer. Cause I know we worked on it like a long time ago and, but like, you know, we work with a lot of students. And so I don't remember what everyone is saying, but now hearing it, I'm like, Oh yeah, it's a really good answer. <laughs> um, so that that's amazing, um, and 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 I think that's really insightful for people who are listening too. Is like, um, how do you come up with a story that's that's true to you, but also like when the interviewer hears it, like when I listen to Alex tell that story, I'm thinking like, oh yeah, this is a really um, genuine story, and I feel like I'm actually getting to know him as a person, even though I just met him not that I just met you, but like if I were there, even I just met him versus a lot of people when they have their stories, it's like very rehearsed and very like, oh, this guy's just telling me like kind of what he thinks I want to hear, but it's not really how he actually is. You're like bankers, they can interviewers, they can kind of see past that. Right. And it's just like, if you're not being genuine, um, it's probably not going to work very well. So that's really, really well done. Um, on the technical side, obviously, you brought a great point, which is you have something on your resume that you supposedly, not you supposedly, that you said you've done, right? And then bankers are going to really like test you to see if you actually did what you said, right? Because 
we all know a lot of people put stuff on their resume and they kind of exaggerate it a little bit, but they say they did a certain thing, but actually maybe their teammate did it or maybe they didn't like do it at all. And they're just like trying to make their resume look good. Um, you don't want to do that because if you can't, if you couldn't answer that question about like why this company is trading at 17X or whatever, uh, then you're dead on arrival, right? Like that's probably it right there because now you have no credibility in anything you say. Um, even though you say you did this modeling and whatever, you, you couldn't explain it. Like that's the worst thing that could happen, right? Um, and so I think that's really, really important as well. And then I know you were telling me in private, I think in Slack, you were saying like going into the interview or your first round interview, which was I think was a technical interview, you didn't really have to prep that much for it, right? Or maybe you didn't prep at all, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I didn't really prep that much for it. You know, obviously... I did a lot of prep work leading up to it. So I won't say that like I tried to cram specifically for this one interview and I was prepping just for this interview. Like I think the help was I had so many repetitions doing this before that it just came natural to me. And I was really starting to understand and put the pieces together. And by the time I was done with the technical portion of the interview, I felt like I aced it and I felt like I did a really good job. Like I didn't have to think about it at all. Like it was just me answering questions. Like we're having a conversation almost. Yeah. Yeah, no, sorry, I don't, I don't, I don't want to mischaracterize it. Obviously, you had to put in a ton of work to get to where you are. What I meant was um, you had already gotten to the level in terms of your technical understanding where it's no longer about like, oh, my God, I have an interview coming up. Let me do a bunch of last-minute cramming as if like it's a final exam that's coming up or something. It's like <clears throat> you've already internalized this stuff, right? It's like it's already, it's, it's already in your head, like this knowledge that you possess uh and you don't need to do like last minute cramming it's like you already know it you understand the concepts just having a conversation with someone about something that you're already very well versed in right like if you have to talk to someone about lacrosse today you probably don't even prep for that right because you know the sport inside out it's like that's kind of the level you have to get to on the technical side and like you do not get to that level by if if you had the wrong uh approach to learning this stuff. Like if, all, if what you're doing is what most people are doing, which is let me memorize the exact answers to this exact list of questions or whatever, like it's just not going to cut it. Right. Then like when the interview asks you like, well, why is this company trading at 17 times? That's not in any interview guide. Right. That's just like, that's just a, a question that they made up on the spot. Right. You, you can either apply the technical knowledge that you already have in terms of how companies are valued. You can either apply that to the situation or you can't. In this case, you weren't able to do that, which probably made you look really, really good. Yeah. And, and to, to address that question again, like I didn't even know what this, what Graham Corporation was trading at that day. Like he just like during my interview, when I was telling my story, he just quickly Googled it and said, why are they trading 17X? And thankfully I knew the business model enough to be able to answer that question really, really well and give him a spot on answer in terms of, you know, from an outsider's perspective, they wouldn't have understood it unless I explained it. Right. So it, it was something that you would have to really like meet with the management team of Graham corporation. And we were able to do that in the, in the research challenge, but which was really yeah. awesome too, but um, was able to come up with something that was really good on the spot. So I kind of had to think of my feet there for a second. Yeah. I think the two, the two takeaways from this specific uh, thing that you're talking about that I want people to take away is just like one, this is a perfect example of what I always try to tell everyone, which is, they're not just going to ask you questions from the interview guides. They're not, right? So if that's all you're, if that's all you're doing, um, <clears throat> you, you wouldn't pass these interviews. 
right? And the second thing is like, uh, whatever you say, whatever you say you've done on your resume, like make sure you know it inside out, right? Inside out is not like, okay, so you pitched the stock, you better know this company inside out. You better be able to tell me why this company is worth what it's worth, right? And if you can't do that, then uh, you're probably not gonna pass the interview, right? So, uh, but that's, man, this is a lot of good stuff. Um, I think people are going to be able to take away a bunch of insights on both on the networking side, what you did there, the behavioral side, how you told your story on a technical side, the type of questions you have to be, uh, be prepared for. So um, it's an amazing interview. I want to thank you for um, just, you know, sharing this with everyone. Um, for those of you that are listening, you know, if you guys want help with this stuff, um, feel free to reach out to our team, right? Um, you know, typically the first step is to, uh, just book a call with us. Um, and you can do that by going to www.wallstreetmastermind.com slash apply. Um, the streets are related to ST. So it's wallstmastermind.com slash apply. And, you know, what we'll do is like, we can't work with everyone. So we'll actually jump on a call with you. We'll figure out like what your situation is. Like everyone's situation is different, right? Like Alex's situation was very unique, right? Like, you know, like you said, he, he didn't have the traditional background. We had to talk to you first, get to know where your situation is understand like what your goals are how much time do we have left what are the challenges that you need help with and then based on that like we'll be able to tell you if we think we can help you or not and sometimes we might not be able to in which case we'll tell you that but if we can't help you then you know the next step would be for us to go and customize a game plan for you and figure out like okay <clears throat> here's what we think needs to happen for you to be successful and uh if that sounds like something that's logical and makes sense to you and you want to work with us together then uh, then we can talk about next steps, right? But at a minimum, if not, then, you know, you get some advice from us and you can go do what you want with that. So either way, I think it's a win-win. Um, so if you guys want to book that call, go to the website that I just gave you guys. Um, and uh, we look forward to speaking to you guys. So Alex, I want to um, thank you for coming on here and sharing your story with us for a second time. I think you're the first person in Wall Street Match My History to do this twice and uh for better or for worse i mean i think look when things first happened um i'm sure it was like a total gut uh gut punch right it's like oh my god i got i lost my offer to covid and then and then even after that you know getting the super day getting so close feeling like you did well not getting an offer there's just so many gut-wrenching moments along the way <clears throat> but you know you being so resilient and you just persevering and continuing to stick with it and not giving up halfway through, even though you thought about it for maybe, you know, half a second, but then you kept going. And then like in the end, coming out the other side with an offer from Jeffries, which is, I would argue an even better outcome than the one that you got a year ago. Um, I think that's an amazing story. It's an amazing accomplishment and you absolutely deserve it. Um, and I'm super excited for you, man. Super excited to see uh, what you're able to accomplish going forward. So, um, you know, I'll be, uh, I'll be on the sidelines cheering you on, man. Yeah, absolutely. It was obviously, uh, quite a journey, quite a wild ride. I, I will say myself and, you know, obviously being on the goal line just so many times and getting so close, <laughs> but, uh, you know, finally breaking through, it feels really good. Yeah. And, and, and all worked down the end. So it's all worth it. Um, that's amazing. So anyway, thank you again for coming on, man. And, uh, Guys, that'll be it for this episode. All right. Hope, hopefully you guys enjoyed this and learned a lot. And uh, we'll be back again with more of these in the near future. All right. Talk soon. Bye.